Well, the unhealthy marriage between football and advertising began when England won the World Cup in 1966 and Bobby Moore advertised her lotion on the television. Perhaps I'm the only person in the room that remembers it. And the jingle went, he's wearing high control by Vitalis. You can't see it, but you know it's there. Now, that would be good said of the Holy Spirit. You can't see him, but you know he's there. Because Jesus has sent him. And this passage is about Jesus sending the Holy Spirit into the world. Now, sometimes you hear people saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord Jesus was here and we could experience his presence personally now? But that's not what the Bible, New Testament, says. Jesus himself said, it's better for you that I go away. So we're going to think about how it's better that Jesus goes away than stays along with us. We're on Thursday evening here, and this speech by Jesus is at the end of uh, the Passover meal Jesus ate with his disciples. And the meal ends when Jesus says, come on, let's go. The end of the chapter, rise, let us go from here. And they walk out to the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, and as they go, Jesus says that uh, further discourse, I am the true vine, no doubt walking through the vines on the way uh, to the garden. But 12 hours later, Jesus will be before the Roman authorities, Jesus will be tried, uh, 12 hours later, Jesus will be crucified uh, and he will be laid in the grave. Uh, on the third day, he will rise again and stay 40 days with his disciples, uh, meeting them in various places, and then he will send the Holy Spirit. So that is what Jesus is talking about here. And this passage might be called the last will and testimony of the Lord Jesus to his disciples and to us uh, as his people. So it's a legacy. It's what Jesus leaves when he goes. And we see what Jesus leaves and we see the results of what Jesus leaves. Now, we'll say this evening that Jesus leaves two things. He leaves his spirit and he leaves his truth. And both of those have results. And then there will be a third consequence uh, from those two things. Uh, and that will be the peace that these two things bring. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus' truth will bring a peace that the world knows nothing about. So that's what Jesus says to his 11 disciples. And let's not forget when Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, that 
10 of these 11 disciples will die murdered for the cause of Jesus. And the one who's writing it, John, is perhaps the only one of them who will die a natural death. So this piece is not some airy-fairy kind of thing. It's peace that's promised to the disciples who will have to die for the name of Jesus. I think it's important to see that. And Jesus leaves this legacy for his disciples, but also it's for all of us. It's for all of us, for his disciples first and then for all of us. And then people who aren't disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ will know nothing of this legacy and what it means. They won't even understand it. Now, when I was much younger, I had an uncle uh, who was civil, high up in the civil service in London in the Ministry of Aviation. And this uncle was reputed to have money. Hmm? And uh, he was a bachelor, a bit of a, uh, well, I'll not go into details, but you know what I mean. Bachelors living in London have a certain kind of life. And he went skiing in Switzerland, things that no, no one else ever did. He had eight nephews and nieces whom I was one, okay? Now, Uncle Eric was one of the most outspoken atheists that you could ever wish to meet or not wish to meet. And some months before he died, I wrote him a letter exhorting him to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross was the only way of salvation and his only hope in face of death was the resurrection. And this must have uh, stimulated his anger uh, rather extremely because when he made his legacy and his will was read out, his will said, I leave my estate in its entirety to seven nephews and nieces, but I will not leave anything to Paul Wells because he is a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? So I was done out of a nice inheritance. And that was that. You see, all of the ones who followed my uncle's atheism got a payout. But I, who didn't, didn't get the payout. So the world knows nothing. You have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ to know about Jesus' legacy. And here is Jesus' legacy. The first point. Jesus leaves his spirit for his disciples. That's the first point. And we see this in verses 16, 17, and 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Notice the words, another helper. We could also say, a helper like me. In other words, the Holy Spirit will be all for the disciples that the Lord Jesus was. 
he will occupy exactly the same role with regard to them uh, as Jesus had done during his time on earth. He will be a comforter like me. And the mofa comforter, paraklesis in the Greek, uh, in the Greek means, that's French, uh, sorry, uh, in the Greek, uh, in the, uh, uh, yes, in the Greek means uh, helper, comforter, advocate, uh, or the one who speaks for someone else. It has a variety of meanings. So Jesus will leave a helper who comforts, a helper who defends and advocates for those to whom he is given, and this comforter will be like Jesus. He will do all I did, Jesus is telling his disciples. And that is Jesus' legacy. He will be with you. Verse 18. Look at in your Bibles. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus will come to his disciples not in physical form, but in spiritual form, in the person of the Comforter, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, on behalf of the Father, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to his disciples as their legacy to be with them. He will be with you, says Jesus. And that means he will have an intimate relationship with you. That means you will know me personally through the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know me personally through the Holy Spirit, well, you don't know me at all, Jesus is saying. But this is a great hope because Jesus is going away and the disciples are all troubled and all mixed up and they don't know what to think about it. But Jesus says, now, wait a minute, don't worry. He will come to you and I will be with you because of him I will be with you and this is a spiritual presence it's not Jesus's physical presence with them it's Jesus's spiritual presence and the result of this is verse 16 uh, you will not be uh, left orphans and the word for orphans is here uh, without a father so just as Jesus has a father and knows his father through the communion of the Holy Spirit, the disciples will not be left orphanless. They will have a father in heaven and they will know him through the Lord Jesus Christ who sends uh, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus leaves going away his Holy Spirit uh, to his disciples. And that is the legacy Jesus leaves. He leaves himself in another form. He takes away his physical presence, but he leaves his spirit with them. And this is an invisible spirit, but a real spirit. It's an invisible presence, but it's a real presence. And this is as real to those who believe as the physical presence of Jesus is real to them. Now, what's the result of this? Uh, what comes from this? Believers get the Holy Spirit 
because Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to take his place. And that's the result of Jesus making this legacy. Now imagine that you have an unknown benefactor. When that benefactor dies, that person leaves you, let's say, a Ferrari. Hmm? And so you get your legacy from that unknown person. And you have that red Ferrari, because Ferraris are always red, aren't they, uh, in front of your door. And so you call your friend and you say, come and see my legacy. Your friend says, well, does it run? And you say, let's go for a trip to North Wales. So off you go to North Wales, and then you have a trip to Northern England, and then maybe you go down to the Alps in uh, your Ferrari. Yeah? And it's magnificent. You see, the Ferrari is the legacy, but where it gets you is the result of the legacy. Without that, you wouldn't have gone down to the Alps uh, for a holiday. It's the result of the legacy. So what's the result of the presence of the Holy Spirit for believers in this passage? And it, the result is most surprising, as surprising as a trip in a Ferrari to North Wales. The result is, verse 19, you will know me and you will see me. In that day, you will know. That day is when the Holy Spirit comes. In that day, you will know and see me. That is, because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, you will really know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a personal, physical knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes for the reality of it. It's for the Holy Spirit to make the knowledge of Jesus real. You will know me and you will see me. You won't see me physically, but you will see what my reality is through the Holy Spirit. And that is what we have in verse 19. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Jesus will go away, but you will see me when I go away. You will see me when I go away because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And also, we know the reality of Jesus uh, through this, in this way. We really see the Lord Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit, says Jesus. And that's the result of the giving of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit will come and we will know the Lord Jesus Christ really, personally, physically. One day we will know him physically in the future, but in the present we know him really and personally, just as if he were there next to us. This knowledge is not visible, but it's real knowledge. Hmm? You can't see him, but you know he's there. You know he is there. 
even though you can't see it. Now, listen to this. I think this hymn was written by the same lady who wrote Abide With Me or Just As I Am or one of those classics. And this is what the hymn says. O Jesus, make yourself to me a living, bright reality. More present to faith's vision keen than any object seen, than any earthly object seen. More dear, more intimately nigh than even the closest earthly tie. When you know the Lord Jesus, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus makes the Lord Jesus more real to you, if you really know him, than the knowledge of the person you live with, than the knowledge of someone else in your family. And listen to this. Nearer and dearer still to me, thou living, loving Saviour be. Brighter the vision of thy face, more charming still thy words of grace. So life shall be transformed to love, thy grace and mercy more to prove. I believe Martin Lloyd-Jones read that hymn every day when he got up, so I've been told. And the wonderful thing about that is the Holy Spirit does it, makes Jesus real to us. And when we get up in the morning, Jesus is real to us because the Holy Spirit is there. And he unites us to the Holy Spirit in love. Verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit makes it real to you. Just as the Father is real to the Son, eternally, because of the Holy Spirit, the Son is real to you because of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit binds the Lord Jesus to the Heavenly Father, so also the Holy Spirit binds us in unity with the Lord Jesus. And this is what union with Christ or communion with Christ is. We know we're not alone. We're never alone and you'll never walk alone if you have the Holy Spirit walking with you because Jesus will walk with you. And wherever I go, Jesus is walking with me because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is real to me. And so we see that that is the result uh, we live in Jesus, we know Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus is transformed into love of the Lord Jesus, and then Jesus lives through our lives with us in communion with us or in accompanying us through the Holy Spirit, who's the helper who's given us. That's the result of the legacy. The legacy is the Holy Spirit himself. The result is this walking with Jesus day by day. And all the disciples will do that through good days and bad days, through all kinds of trials like the Apostle Paul speaks about, 
in 2 Corinthians that we've been finding out about. All this is done because of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first legacy. Now the second thing in the legacy is that Jesus leaves his word. Jesus leaves his word. So we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word to go with the Holy Spirit. And it's like carrots and peas, the two go together. The word and the spirit go together. So Jesus leaves us his spirit and Jesus leaves us his word. Now, there are people who have, and like, these uh, red-letter Bibles, you know, where the words of Jesus are in red uh, in, in the text. All the others are in black. But, you know, they're very nice to look at. But they give a wrong impression in a certain way. Because just as Jesus incarnates God's word totally, Jesus is incarnate in his word, which is the whole of Scripture, Old and New Testament. Jesus is embodied in this word that God has given to us. So, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, but also Jesus gives his truth in Scripture. Now, the important thing about this is that the test of whether we love Jesus or not is whether we love God's word or not. Okay? Because Jesus gives the word and the spirit, and we can't love Jesus in the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with him unless we love the word that the Lord Jesus gives. So this asks us a very serious question. Do you love scripture as the word of God or not? Do you adhere to that as your truth or not? Is that what guides your life or not? Because the word that Jesus leaves is the test of loving Jesus. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus' commandments are the commandments he's left in his word to his disciples. And verse 21, look at verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's what happens to the believer when he knows the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, truly he recognizes, she recognizes uh, all the truth that Jesus has left us in Scripture. Jesus goes away, yes, but his truth stays with us. His word stays with us. And we know God by the truth that Jesus leaves us in his word. You will know that I am in the Father and the Father and you in me and I in you. We know the Father, God Almighty, eternal God, the true God, the one living God. We know him by the truth that Jesus left us. 
Jesus left us this truth so that we might know God the Father. And verse 21, Jesus shows us his truth. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father. What is the big distinction between believers and unbelievers? It's not that we're goody-goodies and they're baddy-baddies. Eh? It's not that we're better than they are. It's not that we're manifestly different from they are, from what they are. But the difference is simply in what we think of Scripture and what we do with Scripture. And look at verse 22. Here we have a good question from the part of one of the disciples. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Hmm? How will you show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. So the distinction between believers and not believers is what we do with the word. What we think of the word, whether we love it or not, whether we walk according to it or not. And it's not sufficient to talk the talk. We have to walk the walk to demonstrate that we love the word of God. So that is Jesus' legacy. He leaves us his word, which comes to us with the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit. And it's that word that determines what we are. And the result that's the legacy Jesus leaves us is truth. And the legacy <clears throat> of this truth is really knowing and loving. You can't know Jesus presented by scripture as God and man, saviour and Lord, suffering servant and raised Lord. You can't know that and understand it without loving him. And you want to love him, if you've understood it. And a Christian loves the word of God, because he loves the Lord of the word. He loves the Lord, and he loves the word of the Lord. And this is true, and as real by the Spirit, and the love is as real by the Spirit as anything we can see and know in the regular realm of physical knowledge. You see, it's only scripture that convinces us of anything as being true. Hmm? Apart from scripture, we can't know anything, ultimately. Uh, this week I was on Zoom teaching some students in Switzerland, and we came on Friday to predestination in Christ which I had to do in an hour and a half. Back in Aix-en-Provence, I used to spend 20 hours on that subject, an hour and a half. You've got to do it somehow. So I gave the students a list of scriptures on the subject. And I said to them, look, all I say will never convince you 
about the truth of this doctrine as being biblical. Read the scripture and be convinced by the scripture. Don't follow what the teacher says. Follow what the scripture says. And I left them with the scriptures, having explained a certain number of them. Now, that means that that's true in all areas of life. And that develops, that love of the truth and that love for Christ develops a distance from the world. We believe what is true because scripture says it's true. We don't believe that it's true because some scientists say it's true or some historian says it's true. We believe it because scripture says it's true. Now, I think J.K. Rowling is quite right when she says that a transgender woman is, you know. But I don't need J.K. Rowling to tell me that about transgender women. Scripture tells me about genders. Hmm? I don't need to go any further than that. I don't need a scientist to tell me that if I put on a skirt and call myself Paulette Wells, that I'm a woman, excuse me, you know? Scripture tells me what reality is, not the word. And Scripture tells me what reality is, and I know it's true because of the Holy Spirit speaking through the word, who leads me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, that's what makes us free. We're free from all the ideologies that people spin around us and that people follow. Whether it's oneism or another, what makes us free from all of those is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ's truth. Because Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the Holy Spirit is the one who liberates us and the truth of the Lord Jesus is what brings us freedom. And the more we follow that, the more clear we'll be in our ideas about what pleases God. And the further we are away from that, the more confused we'll be about anything. And that's the reality of what Jesus is teaching here. The coming of the Holy Spirit brings us into clarity of thought and clarity of life. Because we're freed by the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, the third point, finally, and very quickly, concerns peace. Now, this is spiritual peace. It's not peace in terms of guns stopping firing. Because in that realm, Bob Dylan was quite right. He said, peace is only the time it takes to reload the guns. And that's how it is in our world. But this is spiritual peace that we know because when Jesus sends his spirit and leaves his truth, these things bring us to peace with God. Verse 25. These things have I spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you my, in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring them to remembrance, as I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. 
not peace as the world gives, but let not your heart be troubled. So, Jesus is going away, but very strangely, you know, I say goodbye to my kids in the USA once a year, and I always wonder, will I ever see them again? My age, normal. And uh, I see them waving goodbye uh, at the departure lounge, three little faces that are getting bigger every year. And there's that bitter sweetness about leaving because it's bitter because you're going away, but in a certain sense, it's sweet because you're going away with memories and you hope to see them again in a year's time. But when Jesus goes away, he doesn't leave bitterness and emptiness. He brings peace through the coming of the Holy Spirit and through the presence of his truth. Now, how does Jesus bring peace when he goes away? You know, in the book of Leviticus, there's five sacrifices, very rapidly. And the fifth sacrifice is the peace offering. And the peace offering isn't a sacrifice for sin. The peace offering is an offering for communion, for fellowship. And Jesus says, when I go away, I will bring you peace. He brings us his fellowship by going away. And this is peace. And he says how this comes. He says in verse uh, 30, uh, the devil doesn't have anything on me. What does it mean? The devil doesn't have anything with me or on me. That means that Jesus is the one who defeats the devil. And that's how he brings peace. And where did he bring the, defeat the devil and bring peace? At the cross. So Jesus died to bring us peace by defeating the devil, by defeating Satan. Jesus gave himself as a peace offering to his people and he brings that peace into their lives because he's died for their sin. He died that we might be forgiven. And the devil has nothing on us because the devil has nothing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus lays down his life for sin and the father is greater than him in verse 28 in the sense that Jesus becoming man lays down his life for sin and the father is greater than him insofar as he is obeying the father in order to bring us that peace and that forgiveness of sin. So the million dollar verse here is 27, let not your heart be troubled. Remember, Jesus has brought you peace because he's defeated the adversary. Our sin is defeated. The pollution of our sin is done away and the guilt of our sin is taken away because Jesus has brought us peace with God to know that we are forgiven, we are accepted into God's communion, into God's family. I and my Father are one, and you are one with me because of the Holy Spirit, and you dwell in my peace because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus had stayed knocking around on earth, 
He might be in New York, or he might be in Moscow, or he might be in Kiev this evening. But he couldn't be in New York and Moscow and Kiev all at the same time. But the wonderful thing is that Christians who are suffering in the Ukraine and in Russia because of war conditions all have the peace of Christ which passes all understanding and all receive this promise, be not troubled because I am with you. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That is ultimate peace when everything else around us is falling away. So, do you know this peace? What joy it is to know God's truth by the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know these things, you'll be troubled. I know a young lady who walked away from these things when she went to study medicine at the age of 18. She never set her foot in a church again. And she bought herself a life of trouble at the same time. She made lots of money, but got into big trouble. And if you want to know big trouble in your life, walk away from this truth. You can, but be warned. But if you want to know the peace of God, Come to the Lord Jesus. Come to him through his word. And come to him by praying the Holy Spirit to lead you to the Lord Jesus that you may ever see your peace in him. And you will find real peace. If you don't believe me, try it out. Go home, get down on your knees and ask God to give you his Holy Spirit so that you might know the Lord Jesus Christ and his truth. And you will, you will, if you pray that prayer. Because Jesus is with us through his spirit and his word. And Jesus has also promised to be faithful to the end. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's here through his spirit and through his word. Just try it out if you don't believe it. See what happens.